morning, JR. Good morning, Doug. Good to see you. It's good to see you too. Really excited for um, yeah what we have ahead for this week, but it's it's the second part of what happened last week, which was our interview with Josh Meyer. If you haven't had a chance to listen to it, check it out. Uh, he really leads us into some very vulnerable, uh, beautiful spaces, and um, yeah, but we're excited for what's on tap this week. Yeah, yeah, it was so great last week. We felt like we couldn't necessarily do it in one, so let's do it in two, and you're really going to enjoy this next one. Um, we'll put a lot of the information in the show notes. But uh, buckle up, this is meaty, it's weighty, it's good, and we really think it's going to equip you as listeners, as leaders, and as pastors. So enjoy time with Josh Meyer. Yeah, so Josh, um, I know that Friday is your Monday, um, but what does the rhythm of your week look like? Yeah, so my week is, is fairly... Fairly structured, there's a fairly similar pattern. I have found that having a rhythm to my week is really helpful for me. Uh, so Monday mornings for me, uh, Mondays are uh, a pretty heavy workload day for me. Fridays are my Sabbath, as you mentioned. So Monday's pretty heavy workload. Uh, come in on Mondays, if there's any stray admin stuff I need to do, uh, I'll kind of take care of that first thing just to clear my desk, get that out of the way. Uh, I'll do a little bit of reflection then on the service from the day before. Uh, try not to spend too much time there, uh, but do some intentional reflection on on the service, how God was at work, how I uh, sense the Holy Spirit moving uh, among us. Uh, and then I will get into uh, kind of late morning on Mondays, I'll get into uh, to sermon prep. Uh, we have a, a Tuesday morning staff meeting, and so I like to, by Tuesday morning, have a general sense of kind of where we're headed uh, with the service on Sunday. Monday late morning is, yeah, that sermon prep time. Uh, Monday afternoons then is when I do my visitation, pastoral care. Um, so we share that uh, among our pastors, but Monday afternoon is my day where I'll, uh, so if anyone's in the hospital, in the retirement home, anybody needs a visit. Uh, so Monday, it's kind of admin, sermon prep and study, uh, visitation. So that's kind of Monday. Uh, Tuesday, we have staff meeting and uh in our church with number of folks we have on staff and just different things going on. Staff meeting is longer than I would like it to be, uh, but it's most of Tuesday morning. And so uh, nine till about 1130 uh, in staff meeting. Uh, Tuesday afternoons, I, uh, I'm i involved in some conference work for the church, for the, for the church uh, as well as uh, I teach some classes, some adjunct classes at uh, a local university. And so Tuesday afternoon, I will do either conference-related work or uh, my class prep. Uh, Wednesdays, then, I generally commit to uh, further study. And then uh, one of the hats I wear at church is related to uh, discipleship ministries. And so uh, that's where I give kind of time and attention to kind of our overall discipleship. And there's a, a lot of things pop up uh, related to that. And so we have... Um, just a number of different ways we work at discipleship. And so I, I generally try to commit big picture Wednesdays to um, to those discipleship initiatives. Uh, Thursdays then is kind of the grab bag. That's kind of my open day uh, where anything that comes up and or finishing sermon prep. Uh, so that's Thursdays. Thursday evenings are typically a, a meeting night as well. Uh, and then Fridays for me are my Sabbath, uh, which is interesting. I will confess that for years, I was not very good at taking Sabbath. Uh, Fridays for years for me was the, and any other work I didn't get finished, 
can spill over on the Friday. It's actually why, I'm not proud of this, but it's why I chose my Sabbath on Friday rather than on Monday, because I wanted that in my back pocket. If, if I didn't finish the work, I wanted a day where I could finish the work. And as you know, and anyone listening in ministry knows, there's always more work to do. The demands of ministry never stop. And so I regularly worked on Fridays. Uh, what changed I wish I could say I grew spiritually and became a lot more mature and <laughs> recognized the value of Sabbath. And now I practice it more faithfully. I had kids. Uh, and so I am now home with my daughters on Fridays and they need me to be fully present. And so I have been forced to take Sabbath and to put the demands of ministry aside so I can be present with them. And man, that has been uh, the past four and a half years I kind of backed into Sabbath mm. and didn't realize how important it was mm. until I was forced to do it. Kids have a way of, have a way of doing that to us, don't they? Yeah, right? yeah. So, I, and I love the idea of rhythm, and that's so important. How do you make sure your weekly rhythms, which I'm the same way, I crave rhythms, but I have to always be careful they don't become ruts. Mm -hmm. So how do you know when rhythms, whether they be daily, personal, or weekly at the church— how do, how do you keep rhythms from becoming ruts in your life? Yeah, so for me, I have found that the point at which I become inflexible, that's a, a danger sign. And so our congregation is one of those, I know different congregations have different cultures, but ours is one where folks will stop by the office. Uh, they'll stop by to talk to the pastor. Uh, we're on kind of a main road. And so we have a lot of people not from the congregation who will stop by as well. Uh, and so... Those people are not aware of what my weekly schedule is. Uh, and so when I find myself getting irritated by the, quote, interruption, that's when I know I'm in danger of that rhythm becoming uh, too much of a rut. Uh, and so there are times I will intentionally break the rhythm just to prevent myself from becoming um, too reliant on it. The, the rhythm serves a purpose. The rhythm is not is not the purpose itself. Uh, and so occasionally I will break the rhythm on purpose to prevent that. Yeah, that's terrific. That's awesome. What do you know now in ministry, now that you've been in for the last several years, what do you know now you wish you knew when you first started or even when you were in seminary? Take it whatever direction you want. But what do you, what do you tell, what would you want to tell your first starting out self that you know now mm -hmm. about life or ministry? One of the things that I have recognized is that as a pastor, who we are is as important, if not more important, as what we do. And early on, I was really focused on what I did. I was really focused on, uh, you know, preaching a really good sermon and developing a really good curriculum, putting together a really effective Bible study. I was really focused on what I produced and I have learned more and more that who I am as a person is more important than, than what I do. And in fact, who I am is going to give such credibility to what I do. And so spending as much time on my own inner self, my own inner work, uh, that's something I didn't do hardly any of early on because I was so focused on uh, what I was doing, what I was producing, what I was making, because it felt like that's what I was called to do. You know, I was young and naive and, well, that's what they're paying me for. They're not paying me to develop my own inner life. Um, but 
I've, I've realized over the years, I, I can't pour into other people if, if I'm not attuning to that, that inner life. Josh, you mentioned um, this this gift of understanding of the importance of who you are and not necessarily what you do. And, and you, you mentioned the inner life. Yeah. And so take us through some practices personally that have been helpful for you to develop that inner life of understanding who you are uh, and living out of that space and, and, and not being defined by what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of things come to mind. Uh, one is special words. And the other is intentional prayers. So the special words thing is something I developed uh, when my daughters were born. Uh, I decided that there were certain things I wanted them to hear every day. Uh, And so every night before bed, I have special words that I say to my oldest daughter. And I have special words that I say to my youngest daughter. Uh, And so they know every, every night, Daddy, you didn't do special words tonight. And so I will say to my oldest daughter every night, I'll, uh, I'll hold her face in my hands and I'll say, you are Selah Ann Meyer. You are daddy's buddy. You are smart and strong. You are beautiful and kind. I love you so much and God loves you more than you will ever know. And then I'll hold my youngest daughter's face in my hands and I'll say, you are Evie Joy Meyer. You are daddy's special girl. You are full of grace and beauty. You are faithful fearless and fierce. I love you so much and God loves you more than you'll ever know. And I have realized there is something about hearing words like that every night that not only I hope are shaping them, uh, but they have shaped me just even saying those words. Uh, And so I have developed a special word uh, rhythm that I will say to myself, uh, each, each morning. And, um, it's, it's something that has, uh, yeah, had a profound effect to, to hear words uh, of affirmation and identification like that. So that's one thing, um, that, that I've started doing. Uh, the other thing is I have, um, prayers that I pray each day. I'm relatively new to the kind of written scripted prayer, uh, life. My prayer prayer life traditionally had been sort of me either listening or offering my own words to God. Uh, but in the past couple of years, I have uh, discovered some, some written prayers that have been really formative for me. And so I have a prayer that I pray for each day of the week, kind of geared toward what my tasks are that day. So I have a Monday prayer that is all about relinquishment, relinquishing what happened last week, relinquishing the tasks that are before me, uh, for this coming week. And so every Monday morning, I have a prayer of relinquishment. Uh, Tuesday, I have a prayer. Uh, as I kind of head into staff meeting, we're talking about uh, big ideas as we're making decisions. I have a prayer that that challenges me uh, to have courage. It, it's a prayer for holy discontentment. Disturb us, O Lord, is the prayer. Uh, Wednesday, I pray the Merton prayer, uh, which acknowledges that... Um, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know even that I'm always pleasing God, but the desire to please God, God honors. And so kind of midweek, I need that reminder that, man, 
I don't know if I'm doing it right, but I know I desire to please God. And so I want to, I want to do nothing apart from that desire. Uh, Thursdays, I pray John Stott's daily prayer, uh, which is a very Trinitarian uh, prayer. And so just kind of being rooted in that uh, Trinitarian relationship. Uh, and then Friday is uh, the Romero prayer, uh, which is just this reminder that uh, ministry is not primarily about what we do or make or produce, uh, but it is, uh, it is about the master builder and what, what the master builder is up to, not us. So those, the, the rhythm of those prayers over time uh, has been really, really formative. Josh, would you mind um, praying the Monday morning prayer? For us, yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, this is this is not original to me. This is um, Monday morning's prayer comes from Richard Foster. It is uh, a prayer of relinquishment. It says, "Today, O Lord, I yield myself to you. May your will be my delight today. May your way have perfect sway in me. May your love be the pattern of my living." I surrender to you my hopes, my dreams, my ambitions. Do with them what you will, when you will, as you will. I place into your loving care my family, my friends, my future. Care for them with a care that I can never give. I release into your hands my need to control, my craving for status, my fear of obscurity. Eradicate the evil, purify the good, and establish your kingdom on earth for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Wow. Thanks for sharing that prayer, Josh. And uh, thank you so much for sharing um, these beautiful rhythms of special words and special prayers. Um, I know that you recently completed your doctorate of ministry mm-hmm. and some of your study was, uh, well, your study was looking at what it is to uh, sustain calling over the long haul. And so you talk about inner life and the importance personally for you. What were some of the things that you found uh, with pastors and how they've stuck with their calling over the years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my study was on identifying factors that cultivate calling and confirm calling. Mm-hmm. And so I, I look specifically at millennials and then I compared and contrasted that with older, more experienced pastors. Uh, and so in the study, I, I looked at things that were unique to millennials, but then I also kind of as a control did study of older pastors. And it was interesting. There were some distinctions, but there was a lot that was in common for all pastors, regardless of age. And so as I talked about things that help sustain calling, there were four categories that were really evident in the research that came up almost across the board for what helps to sustain pastors in ministry for the long haul, honesty, intimacy, community, and then eternity. So the first one, honesty, uh, pastors need spaces where they can share with others specifically about the pastoral role. I mean, we, we all need spaces where we can share about our lives, but it became evident that the pastors who identified as being the most content, fulfilled, and healthy in their ministry were ones where they said, I have spaces where I can honestly share, not just about my life and about my work, but specifically about my ministry with others who understand. So honesty was really important. Uh, Intimacy, pastors identified that they need rhythms to connect with God. 
that are not related to the work that they're doing. And so studying scripture for a sermon uh, is not the same as uh, allowing God to speak to us through the word separate from sermon prep. Uh, And so pastors identified uh, the intimacy with God that was developed through specific and intentional practices and patterns. Uh, Third was community. Uh, Over and over, pastors talked about the need for healthy connections outside of the church. And so there's a space for sort of pastoral colleague, peer-to-peer relationships, but those in and of themselves were not sufficient. There's a place for uh, deep relationships within the congregation, but healthy pastors over the long term identified having a community outside of the church, outside of uh, kind of their formal ministry role. So they could take off the pastor hat uh, and just be Doug, just be JR, just be Josh, and not be pastor so-and-so. Uh, and so it was interesting, different pastors developed that in different ways, uh, but that was a, a clear thing. Uh, and then the, the final one was uh, eternity, which was, was kind of the, the most general category, but it was this, this sense that uh, our calling serves a purpose beyond simply this life. Mm. And so if we think about and evaluate and judge, us, judge ourselves based on what we see happening right here, right now in this life, it can get heavy and depressing and uh, sometimes not always easy. But that larger perspective that we are working for something uh, beyond, the pastors who were able to maintain that perspective uh, were healthier and stayed in ministry longer. Mm-hmm. So those four things were, were really, uh, it was revealing across the board, how often those four categories came up. Mm. Wow. That is fascinating. In many ways, that's really affirming of what we're trying to do, but even clarifying even further Mm. on this podcast, trying to create a safe place, remind people their identity in eternity, having a community, a tribe. So this is incredibly helpful. I'm so glad. I knew you did your D-min. I didn't know it was on this particular topic with these. I've never heard you articulate your findings. This yeah. is fascinating. We could almost do a whole episode like yes, just on this. I, I think we should. <laughs> <laughs> but um, just as we close here, Josh, yeah. just want to ask the question, what, with, with pastors who are listening in, and we've been hearing from many of them, but what would you want to say to them? Word of encouragement, a reminder, a blessing, a challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you want to leave them with before we end today. Yeah. I would want to share a quote that was shared with me, actually, by you, JR, and you may not even remember this. This was years ago, before we really even had much of a relationship. Uh, You just kind of checked in with me, how I was doing, and I responded uh, and shared a little bit of of what I was going through, and you responded with a quote uh, from Rich Mullins. uh, Freedom is when we have nothing to hide, nothing to lose, nothing to prove. And so my hope and prayer for any pastors listening is that you would experience that freedom, Mm. uh, that you would have nothing to hide, nothing to lose, nothing to prove, Mm. and that you would experience God's presence in a particularly deep and meaningful way Mm. this week. Mm. Mm. Amen. Well, thanks so much for having you on here. And uh, we've loved your willingness to, to be able to do this. And again, seriously, like, I mean, that was so meaty Yeah. that I just think, gosh, like even to unpack more of your D-men would be great. So yeah. anyway, thanks so much for your willingness to come on here today. Absolutely. Glad to be on. Thanks, guys.
Wow, what an incredible interview with Josh. Yeah, I, I'm so grateful to call him a friend and even to have that opportunity just, just to hear about his week and the way that he prays and even just, I can't imagine what it must be like to pastor a church that's over 300 years old. <laughs> it's still blowing my mind, like older than our country. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I was... I was moved when he started talking about the prayers that he has for his kids and he looks mm. each of his girls in the eyes. And I mean, imagine what that does. We talk about liturgy, right? But the liturgy of bedtime, um, of what that must do. But uh, when he talked about feedback, those five questions he asked of 10 important people, like, what were you feeling as you were hearing him talk about, talk about that? Well, I was thinking about uh, when I went to start my DMIN process a few years ago, um, I had a feedback sheet that I had to hand out. And I remember giving you one of those feedback pieces. And it was so, it was so helpful and scary to hand, it was scary to hand those out, but it was so helpful to get them back and to recognize how important it is to receive words of encouragement, blessing, and challenge from friends. I think sometimes I have a tendency, and, and maybe others too, I, I think pa- being a pastor just feels vulnerable all the time to begin with. And so we feel that vulnerability, but to actually allow people into that space who we trust to speak into it, instead of just the guy at the pew who's saying, well, I didn't like what you said here, but to have people who know you well to speak into it, I, feel like, yeah, that's scary, but my sense is it would be really life-giving. I've been playing around with the idea, uh, maybe I need to find some folks and, and take this up. Yeah, me too. And uh, I mean, I love feedback. You know, I've said many times feedback is the breakfast of champions, but I listen to these questions and I'm like, ooh, those really tighten the screws. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you remember, I'm trying to remember the questions, the nature of the questions when I filled that out for you a few years ago, were your questions similar or different to, to Josh's? They were very similar. Uh, they were questions about strengths and weaknesses and and things that that I could improve on and and areas of growth and um, and it, I mean I I think one of the things that was really helpful was even and I, I can't remember if it was you. So there were three people. I didn't know who said what, but there was this one thing that someone wrote and said he just needs to slow down mm. a bit. And that was so helpful for me to recognize how my, my brain is constantly, pro- I'm an external processor. So my brain is just always moving, always doing something. But the problem is, is that when I talk, sometimes it comes out as 30,000 different things at once. And so it's helped me to learn. I mean, gosh, that was 2015 or 16 was when I started my doctoral program and I'm still not great, but it's conscious. It's part of my thinking now to say, okay, slow this down. What am I trying to say? What's happening here? Um, I think too, even just, I remember crying because I, people saw things that I knew about myself, but I didn't think were that important. And it just became such a place of strength and blessing and honor. Mm. And I think too, even realizing that, um, you know, you, and I think Cooper was an, uh, a friend of ours, Derek Cooper and, uh, my uh, mayor, my wife, and there was one other person, I can't remember who it was, um, but just feeling known. And yeah. that was really, that was really special. So. Yeah. Well, it's vulnerable to submit yourself to that. I was really honored when you asked me to do that. 
And uh, yeah, it's vulnerable. I mean, that's the thing I was thinking with Josh, like this is really vulnerable, but it's only when we're vulnerable that we grow. Mm -hmm. And Josh has grown a lot. And that's one of the things you and I love about Josh is he's fat, right? He's faithful. He's available. He's teachable. F period, A period, T period, right? He's not fat, fat, but... He's a triathlete. So, <laughs> right. Sounds weird to say he's a fat guy, but but he is faithful. He's available. He's teachable. He's very hungry. I've always just loved that about, about Josh and uh, even submitting ourselves to that. So yeah, it takes a lot of courage to do that. How about uh, uh, the prayers for each day of the week that he has as a pastor? Well, I mean... Man, uh, I I have yet to figure out how I'm going to work that in. I actually pray the hours, and so my my days are are rather structured. But after reading through those, I thought, my goodness, to think about the rhythms of my week and having my prayers reflect the rhythms of my day, um, I, I can't. Yeah, I'm like, of course, Josh did that, but also part of me was like, <laughs> man, that's so good, and and I appreciate too just how that sets you up well for your day. Mm. It's almost like it aligns your heart, your soul, and your strength uh, in, in just the, in your mind in this very um, directional way to recognize like, yeah, I mean, I think for my, so my, most of my th- Wednesdays are, are essentially meetings. I mean, I meet all, most of Wednesday. We have elder meeting Wednesday night. We have, where I have a, um, me and another lady at our church, we do, uh, we do a podcast over the week. So that's a meeting and um, we have, like staff meeting on Wednesdays. So my Wednesdays are just days of meetings. Mm. And so even realizing what would it look like for my prayer that morning to be reflected of, you know, Lord, I have to use all of my, I'm exhausted by the end of that day, but to pray in that way, I just sense is such a gift. Mm. So yeah. What did you think about that? Yeah. I, um, I'm normally not a rote prayer person. Right. I mean, I, I totally, I have friends that do that and I totally respect and get that, but, uh, I really want to integrate this further into my own life. And, and I, you know, I've, some of them I've heard before. I mean, like the Sir Francis Drake, disturb us, O Lord. I've yes. used that quite a bit. And so that was great. But to pray that weekly, I mean, what that would do over the long term. I've also heard the John Stott uh, daily prayer, which I know he, he wrote and then memorized and then prayed every day of his life. Um, and I've, I've heard that and prayed that before in the past, but was reminded again, hearing Josh talk about this, a line in there that, just kind of lifted up off the page as I read it this time, uh, where you know it's very it's a very trinitarian prayer intentionally mm-hmm. on on John Stott's part, and uh, and he says this he said Holy Spirit I pray that this day you will fill me with yourself and cause your fruit to ripen in my life and then he talks about the fruit of the Spirit and I love that line mm-hmm. just as a visual learner the fruit to ripen in my life. I mean, I just think of when I eat a banana that's green and how nasty it is. It looks great on the outside, but it's just, ugh. You know, it's too starchy. It's too, yes. but yeah, Lord, like, would you cause your fruit to ripen in my life? And so just thinking about that metaphor and playing with the idea of like his spiritual formation when the fruit of the spirit is ripening in my life. So I, I just loved it. I think... Yeah, I mean, I think it's worth emulating. We'll put those in the show notes, of course, those questions. And so, um, you know, our resources, you know, for this time, I guess are both the resources and the questions at the same time Correct. of those five questions to ask important people in your life. I think Josh asked 10 people, but we could ask as many people or as little, as few as we want. Um, but also those prayers and maybe the challenge is just as a resource, pick one or two or maybe all of them, try them. 
and uh, pray through the week just like just like Josh uh, did. I know he shared just one with us, but we've got all five of those prayers Monday through Friday listed there. So again, from Richard Foster on Monday, Sir Francis Drake on Tuesday, Wednesday is a Thomas Merton prayer, Thursday is John Stott, and then Friday is Oscar Romero. So even even quite a bit on the the spectrum there of different different voices within Christian tradition. So. Yeah, I think that's a that's a, some pretty heavy people to be praying with yeah. <laughs> on a weekly basis, which is really good. I think too, also realizing a lot of us are coming into the summer months, and um, I don't know about everyone listening, but I know for me and for other pastors I've spoken with, entering into the summer, you feel pretty depleted, mm. and so just want to make sure that as yeah, you good. see these resources, and you may want to adopt all of them because you feel <laughs> depleted, maybe just pick one. Yep. Or That's wise. maybe just focus in on the one thing that you feel like, man, that could really mm. just be a blessing to me in this season. Yeah. And even consider doing it with others, right? And oh, yeah. it's good to do these alone, but that healthy accountability and community, maybe you print these off and put them on your, your dinner, your dining room table for dinner. And maybe you pray that, you know, try praying that at, at dinner with your family or something like that. Praying That's it a- with your staff. That's a together great idea. in a staff meeting. So, but so grateful for Josh. What a great time. It was so rich to be with him. And uh, well, listeners, we really hope that was encouraging and fruitful in your own life. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of the Monday Morning Pastor. We were really grateful for the feedback that we've already received and we're hungry for more. Also, if you have any questions or stories you'd like to share of ways that you're noticing God at work um, or hope that you would like to share, with other pastors who are listening, we'd love to hear you. So please feel free to email us at mailbag at mondaymorningpastor.show. We really appreciate the community that's already been forming, and we're looking forward to it forming even further. So pastors, may you experience joy this week. May you see God at work in things, and may you yourself personally experience joy because of the way that you recognize your belovedness. We'll see you next Monday.